Oh, hey, we're here. <laughs> I guess I picked the uh, the short intro music this time. Let me unmute you there, buddy. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, welcome to the one within all two interverse. We're back and a live one, so that's extra fun. We've got Sean S.P. Alger in the house and probably any minute <laughs> we'll see Jim. That's right. Uh, he just uh, woke up and got home. I don't know how it goes in that order. <laughs> <laughs> was he sleeping at the uh, the studio? But I had to say before we get into this, uh, I really appreciate both of you guys. And I'll probably repeat it when Jim gets here, but he already, I bet, can hear what I'm saying psychically because he's the brain horned goat lord that he is. <laughs> <laughs> and you, my friend, you're one of the greatest sons of a glitch I know. Oh, every, you, every time we get to interact, I just have so much fun. Yeah, so welcome too. to officially an Interverse episode. Long over. I'm excited. I've been I've been anticipating this day and now it has arrived and I feel great. So I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I guess the first thing I want to say is if you missed last night's Weaving Spiders welcome, <laughs> you had to be there for it, right? Because it's not up right now. Yeah, well, it got uh, I think some of the they were dropping we were dropping footage of some of the people who recently passed away. I don't remember if it was uh, I don't remember which which actor it was, but it seemed like one of those pieces of footage definitely disturbed the uh, AI, the anti spiders, you know, the other spiders, and uh, the it went It's weird what they did. I, I love observing YouTube and its uh, idiosyncrasies because okay, so it it knocked us offline beautifully. Somebody in the Telegram chat had actually recorded their screen as it went down, so we have evidence of what it looked like from you know a regular viewer side. But then it popped back up. So like it dinged you, knocked us off so the audience couldn't see us. And then we were back up. And then when we go to YouTube today, the it's gone. So it makes me wonder if they've done this as like a strategy to keep the YouTubers who are creating content happy. Like, okay, we knocked down your stream. We dinged you. You saw it. But then we're going to let you continue to stream so that your audience still gets to play out the night. But then the next day you show up and your stuff's not there. You know, like they've got this whole compromising a bureaucratic strategy, it seems like, you know, I really doubt it's left to chaos as something as big as YouTube. Everything is policied out to the, to the finest detail, you know? Yeah, bro. <laughs> it's a, a weird world. You've been navigating it uh, for as long as I have actually, although I wasn't doing as much on YouTube back when picture show was a thing. So how would you describe last night's weaving spiders? Welcome episode. Well, the I mean, cast, we had me, you, Gabriel, which is Slick Dissident, Alan Marcus, and Jim, and Gordy. Right. So it was uh, the classics last night. Yeah, that's become a pretty solid set. Now, when I was watching it at the beginning, there was a few people that were showing up that we haven't seen in a while. But that seems like the pretty classic set. And then we usually get um, at least one, sometimes two ladies joining us here and there. And I got the the vibe I got from, from last night's weave was like... Uh, like it was a natural 2.0 progression. Like instead of kind of dilly dallying and getting a few things to match, it's like we started with everything already kind of syncing up and then somehow going even farther, you know, to a level that I can't really describe unless you're also like a synchro mystic nut, like the rest of us are in this, this group, then it's like things start anticipating each other before they arrive on the actual live setting 
Like I remember there was a few weaves back that kept happening to you with like you were you were loading slides that you intended to present to the live audience and someone, one of the spiders would anticipate the slide and start to talk about it. And you would have to interrupt and say, wait, you guys are ahead of me. I had a slide ready to go there next, but you mentioned it before I could screen share. Like, so this vibe is, it's not, you know, we joked three or four times last night that it's a coincidence because we all really have a belly laugh at the idea that anything like coincidence could really exist anymore because we do this consistently every week. You know, that this, this thing happens. It's not, we're not forcing it, but we're, and, but you know, it's also not like something that we have to try at. If we just get there and settle in, everybody's conversation and input and screen shares flows into this thing that we call a weave. I don't know who first called it a weave, but God bless them. Cause that's a brilliant description the, of it. It's a weavening Saturday yeah, weavening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's on the weaving spiders. Welcome YouTube channel, which we probably should definitely look into archiving it elsewhere or live streaming to more than one place. <laughs> we need to catch Jim and bring him into this show and also <laughs> like needle, yeah. the, needle some of the controls out of him so that more people can be on that. 63 is the episode we're talking about. It was called hot tea, Rasputin's dong, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and well, to yeah, like give be- a teaser for it for anyone that only saw some or all of it, we basically started on the idea of Rasputin because Gabriel and I had been talking about Rasputin and then you saw a movie about Rasputin last night unplanned. Yeah, now that wasn't and planned. Like. We found out that two days ago, the day before we started talking about him was Rasputin's birthday. And yeah. that spiraled out into this entire like ophiolatry thread that I was stuck on demonstrating that even mm-hmm. historical characters are like it's called a euharemism where you apply mythological attributes to a historical character or maybe it's never a historical character to begin with who knows you euharemism see i never knew that word but yeah they do that because like at the capitol dome me and jim covered this on a picture episode of picture show way back you know there's the apotheosis of george washington and if you see these uh you know they've got george washington represented in sculpture and in pictures obviously nothing quite like the man he's got this huge chiseled greek god chest and he's got the baphomet pose going on and all this you know so they're taking him out of the context of being anything like a normal human being hey what's up hey guys (laughs) hey jim we got some background noise on your end yeah i can't hear you for some okay Let you sort so yourself three out. Three-hour sound check is unavoidable, bro. You bring us in the same place, and it's on your <laughs> show too. <laughs> I'll mute you until you can hear. You're not you coming through my headphones. Let me uh, jump out. <laughs> perfect, perfect. What's funny is I just typed in the chat. Think about Jim's shining brain horn horns and get him to manifest. And right when I popped it, it on screen, he came in. <laughs> well, I would say I do that with you too. Like on yeah. the on the weaves, I'll say your name, and then you'll show up within three minutes. Yeah, but that's okay. So the ophiolatry thread, though, to continue the teaser, we basically starting with Rasputin, we showed that like all these sun god characters are constantly referenced, and they link back to Bacchus. And I started getting into the children and offspring of Bacchus, and that got weird. And everything connects. Like there's even a point where I had a book open, an ebook open, and on the very page that it was open to. Gabriel started talking about stuff that was on that page, a totally random page. <laughs> We're on the same page. Hello. 
What was hey, that? You, uh, God damn it, it's not working again. <laughs> um, maybe it's not right, doesn't work with StreamYard. Oh, it has in the past, right? Or usually you are on a different... Oh, you can't hear us anyway. Okay. I might have to just use my headphones. Here, let me... Uh... We'll, nice. We'll this, get is, this, this is this live is so television, classic. as I used to say, right? <laughs> We're summoning the spirit of the old show, RX Only Picture it Show. It is, exactly. Which I've been waiting for Jim to show up before we start talking about history there. But yeah, the teaser out, for last right? night's weave should be, you can't miss it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're into this stuff, if you follow other synchromistics, and there's lots of them nowadays, you know, uh, Santa Bonacci, Christopher Knowles are popular names in the game. You know, I'm sure Chance knows some people that are also, you know, that they just deal in syncretism. Michael um, Wan comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I need, to, I need to imbibe more of that guy's content. I loved the episode I caught of uh, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, where, uh, once again, synchronicity, Gabriel was able to randomly be able to jump in and, and present an idea to Michael on the fly with no, none of this scheduling or planning that most people are so fond of, you know, just like drop in and fire off like a rocket, you know. <laughs> well, that, what what works about that for the weave team is that there's at least like five or six of us at a time. So we're all like taking turns, putting our information that we've sourced throughout the week into the conversation, trying to make it flow in order, but it kind of flows in order normally. Wow. I feel like this is a really special show. If it's a no hat show for you. Well, I uh, just to realize that, I, you know, the gloves had to go first. I was outside. List, I was catching up on RX only picture show number 33 uh, with me and Jim. Jim was sculpting. I was painting and Tracy Twyman was reading aloud. And we'll get into the more details on that. But I, I was I just figured to put something on to help me reminisce, you know, feel like uh, I'm in the vibe. And I was cleaning up all the dog poo in the backyard, which was a lot because it snowed. And you know how it is like you're not going to go dig through the snow. So there was a proliferation of uh, dog bombs and, uh, <laughs> i was still still pretty cold when i came in but it was also like a great vibe you know like i felt really good you know it's, it's hard to be uh happy to pick up dog poo but you know you can make it happen <laughs> if you do it right you know but yeah, yeah i might sneak over and grab a hat we'll see i feel naked without one on that episode of picture show the bright light is shining so brightly on the bald spot on top of my head it looks like i'm wearing a yarmulke and i found that to be quite embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> i watched that episode and i didn't couldn't even tell wasn't even looking at your right. shining bald spot <laughs> you know how it is though if you go back and watch one of your episodes and you got a piece of lint in your beard you'll know <laughs> no one else will probably do right <laughs> now i'm starting to get pretty beardy yeah you got to catch up man. to especially Jim's epic beard if we can get him back in here. Yeah, he didn't used to look like that when I first met him. So to me, it's amazing to see like he's got sometimes I try to grow this thing out, but it only gets about that long and then it just kind of pitters out on me. So the epic long almost to the belly button beard is something I envy very much. Anyone that could do that, you know. Yeah, but I want to talk about RX Only Picture Show number 33, which people can find all the episodes for that on your YouTube channel. And, you know, you were kind of the captain of that enterprise, right. much assisted by Jim. And I, let's talk about the, that show where people can find it, what it is to you, and episode 33 specifically, how that can flow into us talking about modern day things that you're up to, like the flow state that we do on Wednesday. Because yeah, a lot I of the people in the live chat right now, they know all the stuff we're talking about. This is like insider clubhouse 
chat, uh, chat, but there's a ton of people that listen to this show on the RSS feed, probably a lot more than go through the video channel. So they've likely heard me talk about the stuff we do uh, in outros on Weaving Spiders, but I want to really promote the content there because like as far as me putting stuff out or being a part of something that's produced is some of, in my opinion, some of my favorite synchro mystic work getting to be on the team with you guys. So let's get into that. Like how did yeah, it go? Can, how did you I get into RX only and then to weaving spiders with us so, to flow state? And, yeah. And uh, Jim, Jim knows this history, so I can go over this without us worrying of, of missing too much. So let's see if I can make a long story short. How did this all happen? So me long stories all, and uh, diverging pathways are fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I meant not to, you know, take the whole show explaining my side of the story. I could do that too. Cause it's a big, crazy thing, but, um, we, uh, well, I've been messing around on the internet for almost as long as the internet's been around. And I was always kind of sucked into the conspiracy realm type of stuff. And I always find myself kind of fading in and out of it. Um, not so much anymore. I think I'm kind of finally here to stay in conspiracy stuff and just, just research, just searching for the truth. I mean, I think that's what most people end up in this stuff, you know, finding this kind of stuff because they really, they have a feeling that something, that something's a shade off and that they're missing something, something's missing or omitted or is, is just not quite right. And so they start searching and they find shows like this, you know? And, uh, so in the midst of like, so I've completely forgot about conspiracy stuff. Well, didn't forget. I put it on the back burner intentionally because I'd stumbled into information in the, early to middle 2000s that just kind of made me uncomfortable with continuing you know people run into that if they really do deep dive get really good at the searches and following threads you can land in places that uh you can feel and be aware that you might be in danger or you're at least privy to information that very few other people have found and um so i started studying marketing and advertising and getting away from conspiracy stuff altogether and about 2015 um flat earth popped up on my radar and i got grumpy uh, to convince myself that it wasn't true and uh couldn't do so and actually ended up writing a song um uh, that's on my youtube about um remembering that i had forgotten that the earth was flat because me and a friend had actually found information about flat earth way back in the day it was probably like oh three oh four or something and we forgot, like we had actually changed our mindset to live in and view the world as flat. And then at some point I just completely forgot all about it. So um, it makes me <clears throat> want to point out the nature of the entire thing appears to be a hex. It's uh -huh. not just, it's not just like a simple true fact piece of information. It's like a giant hex that's way more than cosmology of the shape of the earth which you know we can be agnostic about we don't have to say we know what it is but you can disprove the the nasa story so yes, easily traditional curvature the ideas of vacuums existing without a boundary to secure them in place and hold them tight and all these things i mean these are these are things that definitely um tip people over the edge and make them start to try harder to look into it and i agree it is like a hex it made me think this is a this is a piece of content that tracy twyman made and what it is, is uh, it's merch. Um, and what it is, is it's John D. And it says it's John D's world. You just live in it. Okay, so the joke is exactly what you're talking about. John D allegedly created the whole realm that we're living in, in a way, because he had a vision and the position of power behind uh, uh, Elizabeth I to enact his magic. And he had a, a vision to create the English empire spelled with an IMP, 
you know, and like his magic allegedly really pushed the boats out onto the sea, you know, his, his power that he got from the throne allowed his, his magical sorcery to, to be bigger. And so it, you know, it created this empire of, of England. And I would say that the flat earth type of thing, lots of things like this, where it's not a logical deduction where you finally go, oh, I was wrong about that. Yeah, thanks for telling me like that. As much as us uh, people in these groups realize, you know, um, you know, my family thinks I'm crazy is a great name to, to, you know, a lot of people feel that way. They can Hello? really feel that title. Hey, there's Jim. Hey, I think he's got it. Yeah, it sounds yeah, it good. Says, it looks good. It says camera audio is going through my headphones, but it's it's not. It's coming through my computer for some reason. So you can't hear Wild. us? I can hear you, but it's... I'm, I'm my, I lost my headphones. <laughs> Jimmy, if it's working, man, don't sweat it. If it starts echoing, we'll worry about grabbing headphones. Well, I can't really hear, so... He's I got these other headphones, but they're rattly as hell. Let me try them. We'll take it. Yeah, as long as well, I was just trying to tell the like the the pre picture show lore. That's where we were at, just so you know. Can you hear me with that? Or yeah, yeah. It... Yeah. I don't I don't I'm not sure if your mic's doing anything or that mic is coming off of your yeah, um, earbud, but it's not. You can hear us, my... we can hear you. Yeah. I don't know where yeah. my headphones went. I took the dogs for a walk last night after Arc <laughs> or after the show. Now they call it RX. I mean, it's basically the spiritual successor Weaving Spiders is. Yeah. And hey, so, but look, buddy, you're here and now you sound yeah. perfect. And we can Great. see your full beard because you don't have a mic in front of your face, your whole handsome <laughs> face. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Are we you, live? you have to know that yeah, I, when live, you weren't we're here, I, I introduced you as the brain horned goat lord. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, welcome. We're so glad to see you, Jim. We can't even tell you how happy we are that you're here. And I know you I'm feel a little bit here. nervous and rushed and uncomfortable, but you don't have to, bro. You're here. Nothing else matters. Everything's working. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're among friends now. You're yeah. safe. And we don't have to do anything but talk. Chances when it's got to like look at the camera and a bunch of buttons and do stuff. So we're good. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, if you guys everybody. just might wouldn't mind riffing off each other while I sit back and relax, I'd be fine, yeah. fine with that. We're all about that. So I can so I'll just I'll just catch Jim up if that's if you're good with that. I'll just tell him where we were at yeah. and that way he can chime in and see if there's anything I missed. So I was talking about me, first of all, being somebody who studies conspiracies from way back in the day and how I stepped away from it and even forgot that the earth was flat and then came back to realizing it. And um, so then uh, people and I know Jim's this way, too, because we talk a lot about it. You end up like throwing yourself so thoroughly into searching every spare minute of the time that you you can stress yourself out. You can make yourself kind of freaked out. They call it fear porn for a reason, you know, and uh so in the process of doing that, after I realized the earth was flat again, of course, I start researching everything again, just pour myself fully back into conspiracy mode. And at some point, I started to feel the fatigue of it. And so I started looking on weird uh, 4chan threads, and I found a thing called Internet Blood Sports. And Internet Blood Sports was a guy named uh, Andy Worski and a guy named Ralph, Ethan Ralph, and another guy named Tonka Saw. And they would all mutually, usually it was hosted on Worski's channel, but they would have 
competing mindsets in the political, you know, like the dregs of the internet get on the mic and they would kind of referee them a little bit, but for the most part, they would just go at each other uncensored, screaming, cussing, yelling, uh, trying to throw their ideology down to the best of their ability and make a good case for their side. And it was fascinating, but it's kind of like listening to crappy talk radio. You know, it's no, no substance. It's not deep. It's not meaningful. It's like, uh, like just something, a distraction away from the serious research. Well, in that process, I noticed they kept begging for a flat earth show and um, it wasn't happening. No, they weren't getting a flat earther on, but the audience was begging constantly to Worski and his co-host at the time named JF to get a flat earth show. So I sent some super chat money a couple of times and got them to agree to a flat earth blood sports. You paid them for the entry to the arena. That's right. That's right. I saw how it worked. (laughs) Money down, you know, I probably threw 15 or 20 bucks over a few different entries and, uh, and it worked. And then so I also convinced uh, them to have it on April 1st because April 1st is a very special day to me. I really see that more as like the beginning of the year. Um, it ties into all kinds of occult and esoteric research. You know, we could go we could go do a whole show on April Fool's Day and, and the whole lore behind it, you know. But um, because they agreed to that, it made the whole show lighthearted. So it wasn't going to be like a true serious blood sports. Um, and my plan really was to just have a good time because I knew – the guy I was debating against was a uh, is a PhD in biology. He was trained in debate in college, and so I assumed that no matter, even if I was correct, Alexa, that he, he was going to route me. You know. <laughs> Why? Oh. You <laughs> What's going on over there, buddy? <laughs> Alexa started chiming in. Trying to find the. Uh, I'm trying to watch here. There we go. Oh, I see. Jim's trying to get his uh, his monitor going. I got oh, yeah, he's uh, well, Jim. I want you to know that you can't just take the comfortable role of talking to the live chatters and remaining <laughs> silent on screen. I want you to interview Sean while I watch. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, so, yeah, long story short, after that, they said yes. We went and had a really good flat earth debate. I talked Jim into hosting it in his basement because I really didn't have a good place to do it. And uh, so we went and bought like some cheap equipment, a microphone, like an adjustable stand, put cameras up in Jim's basement in a big hurry so we could do the flat earth debate. And there was probably four or five thousand people in the audience. So it was big time. And I like uh, at the very end of the show, I talked him into letting me play my flat earth song live and everybody loved it. And we're clapping their hands and singing and dancing along, kind of. And the next week, Jim was like, dude, I got the bug. We got to do this. Let's keep doing this somehow. And so I agreed. And instead of overthinking it, we both agreed, like, let's just get set up as fast as we can. And we'll go live right now so that we don't get stuck in the planning stage and make it take forever. And so we did. And, uh, you know, we, we interviewed my brother, Adam Lohr, um, which was ironically that uh, that piece. Right at that time, the, the one of the, the main creator of Ren and Stimpy had been outed as being uh, inappropriate sexually with young girls and all this weird stuff. His name is John Kay. So that, you know, it's like the very seed episode still had all of the the future growth of picture show encapsulated in it. Cause we got an artist that we love, um, you know, somebody whose art we continue to use through the whole show. And the very first thing we talked about was the fact that people in positions of popularity or power are inappropriate, you know, um, to a massive degree. And it completely shadows your view of Ren and Stimpy and that kind of stuff, you know, but that's where it started. And we just kept, we just, we just made a a 10 out of 10 commitment to each other that every Wednesday we were going to hit the button, whether we were ready or not. We didn't, we very rarely wrote any scripting or ideas. We just spitball a few ideas onto a piece of paper and just go. 
And, you know, I think we learned a lot about each other because we got to delineate. Jim plays the piano and sings. I play the guitar mostly and sing. Jim juggles. I play with a yo-yo. You know, Jim's more of a sculptor. I was always more of a painter. And so we decided that uh, Variety Show was a good format because we didn't want it to be just one more talk YouTube show because that's what mostly was out there is just people talking and not doing anything. And all of that changed. Yeah, those are the worst types of shows. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends on if you do them right now. If you can pull it off like this guy Chance Garden, then you're kicking ass. But you know, I won't drop any names. But some of you guys that are just interviewing are starting to sound a little canned. Okay, so if you're listening and that speaks to your heart, then you know, liven it up, do something weird, at least put on a hat. <laughs> so, did I miss anything, Jim? No, that sounds about right. And so how would you say we actually met Tracy? Do you remember how, did I sign up first and then you signed up for her her paid content? Tracy Twyman is a famous occult uh, author. She's passed away now and Jim and I both loved her stuff. And so we started to pursue her for at least an interview. Jim, what led you to that world of conspiracy? Because Sean, Sean's always been deep in it. Were you more interested in learning psychology, spirituality? side of the occult or were you uh, looking no. at the dark underbelly? I, uh, I've had some pretty crazy experiences in my life. I had like a, I learned to meditate, um, during, it was like a dark, dark part of my life. Like back in 2008, I was going through some hard times and I learned how to meditate and, uh, I read a book called, uh, um, Zen mind, beginner's mind pretty pretty good introductory book on meditation and uh i had i kind of started watching this uh it was like a ufo sort of show on um, public access cable and they were diving into all kinds of crazy stuff but it was like it was enigmatic stuff like i never had answers for anything that i i've always i mean uh, i've been into like all this stuff since I was a kid, I got a um, Time Life books, Time Life Time Life book set with like UFOs was one, and like monsters was another one, and always always loved this stuff. But anyway, so I learned how to meditate, and uh, I was I stumbled onto um, what's it called um, Coast to Coast, the Coast to Coast show. It was like I was driving, I was delivering a car from Portland to Walla Walla, and I was listening to Coast to Coast, and this lady on Coast to Coast. Did your headphones die? <laughs> what, huh? Headphones dead? Battery? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing in my own head. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? You know, we, we can hear you, change. yeah. I can still hear you. Can you still hear us or not? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. This is all because you had it on your Telegram description for your profile. I hate technology. <laughs> the technology is like, oh, get you, especially Mercury Gatorade time. <laughs> oh man, have you seen the? Have you seen Jim's Mercury and Gatorade meme? It's a mint, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, you guys are some of the finest meme crafters I know. Thank but you. We can hear Jim, or we could. He looks like he's doing a little more fooling around. I wanted to see, maybe he can't hear me, so I'll have to repeat this, but 
I wanted to find out about his your career as an artist. You hear me now? Jim. Yeah. yeah, we can hear you. Damn. <laughs> you can't hear us though. <laughs> You good? Hello? Hello. Hello, hello. You can't hear us. Mm. This is true. Yeah, you're you're so right. Like we if you invite Jim and I to the same place, then you get the spirit of picture show, of our only picture show. It appears to be true. (laughs) I'm gonna mute him for a second because there's some background noise there. I don't know, yeah, I don't know what's up with the background noise, but um I sent him a message too that he could call in from a phone if it's simpler. The link will work. We'll just uh, watch him do his thing. <laughs> Headphones number three. Hello, hello. Can you hear us, Jim? Hello. Can you hear we us? Can hear you. <laughs> I don't think you can hear us still. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe in true. RX only picture show style. He can listen to the actual live video 20 seconds behind <laughs> and try to answer <laughs> in despite 20 <laughs> seconds of latency. Hello. Hear me now? Hey, buddy. Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us? No, he's, it's all right. He'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah. I okay, know, I know so... he's stressed out right now, but I'm not sweating it. You don't look like you're sweating it. So we'll just, oh, no. we'll just welcome Jim back as soon as he can get it on there. But yeah, we'll we'll wait and talk about Tracy more when he comes on, but let's talk about meme crafting. That's like an alchemical process, right? In terms of having an influence on the mind. Well, it's like I think most people who are involved in it, like if you would have told us 10 years ago that this would be the way it is, we wouldn't have had any reference for that being a future reality. Like it's so crazy how meme magic in quotes, kind of sprung onto the scene with the lead up to Trump getting elected and um, all this chaos magic, meme magic. And, you know, that's really what happened. I've always made some image macros here and there from back in the day, but I wasn't making memes every day. Like I interrupted my time on the spiders last night. I distracted myself by making a meme real quick because the creative process is that way. Kurt Vonnegut used to say, it's easy come, easy go. You know, if you also, I wrote down your album title and, uh, and the name of that band because I'd like to take and make that into a meme. So I've got it on a sticky note over here, you know, from last night. And so <laughs> the, the the vibe hits you to make a meme. That's why I really admire some of these people when some event happens in the media and all of a sudden you see the sweetest, simplest meme. It's not compiled out of a whole bunch of parts. It's just a few words and an image and it just lands and it's hilarious and it makes you want to dump it to your social medias or send it to your best friend in a text message. You know, there's something about it that um i started doing it and uh, jim was doing it too but like me doing it and him doing it both we kind of fed off of each other and uh that was a funny thing that tracy actually told us that was part of the reason that she liked our show because it was real low pressure and then she said every time she would tune in to watch that the memes got her you know like she was interested to see all right jim is back welcome back jim (laughs) we're talking about meme craft oh cool you guys are both black belts at that Absolutely. <laughs> I love me. Jim, Jim is the master in my opinion, but it's in a certain niche. It's like the, at the edge of overthinking it, but not quite. 
You know, like it's like Mitch, Mitch Hedberg. Jim is the Mitch Hedberg of memes. Like his Mitch Hedberg's jokes, like if you're thick, you don't get it at all. But if you're kind of in the middle, like it takes a second, like three seconds later, you're like, oh, ah, that's really funny, Mitch, you know? And that's how a lot of Jim's memes land for me. Like I'm looking at it and I'm like, come on, man, this, he wouldn't send it to me if he didn't think I'd get it. And then it'll hit me, you know, and it's really concise funny. and economical. Yeah. We could we could uh, offer a whole course on how to make memes between the three of us. I know you make a lot of memes, Chance. You're not fooling anybody. No, I don't. <laughs> really? Oh, we got to jump you into the gang then. I've made some really good ones before, but I mostly am just a, a you know I'm a consumer. I need to become a producer. Well, but I like what you're saying about the creative flow of that because the things that I wanted to weave together tonight were the topics generally that we all are interested in which would be creativity not just like so many people in the game of talking about conspiracy they leave spirituality out and then so many people that bring spirituality in lose what i think is the foundation of spirituality which is your own personal creative path and pursuit yeah that's really well said man i agree i'd say most people they get told they're supposed to have a certain spirituality based on where they were born and what year and what kind of religious family they come from and what you said if people can find a way to realize that they have a constant internal creativity going and that for you to become conscious of it and then start to groom or guide it because we all know like your creativity can work against you you know if you're uh if your baby's sitting a six month old for the very first time your creativity immediately goes to work scaring you how that you're going to screw it up somehow you know your creative brain's like you're going to drop the baby you're going to you know you're going to give them the wrong food or whatever and so you if you become aware of that and then you start to guide your creativity in a way that's at least neutral and not hurtful but ideally into make something comes out of it you know to me that's what really grows your soul you know what's rattling around in the gym cage on that one yeah, it, it definitely helps. Um, when I was a kid, my dad used to play this game with me. I was like eight years old, and he came up, sat down next to me, and he had a uh, like a yellow legal tablet of paper. And he was like, all right, Jim, um, there's no water in the house, and your mom needs water in the house. I want you to write down all the ways that there are to get water in the house. And I was like, what do you mean? And he, I was like, uh, you mean like a garden hose? from the faucet outside and he's like yeah write it down and i was like Shh. he's like it's like what else and i was like uh a bucket you can bring water in with a bucket and he's like write it down so i write it down so like he's teaching me to think of new solutions to problems and even though once you have a solution you think you know fine i finally i have a solution to this problem i don't have to think about the problem anymore because i have a solution but there's always better solutions to a problem and you always want to be looking at the problems and trying to find more creative answers so like i'm still thinking about ways to get water in the house here, here. there's lots of there's lots of ways to solve things and you know once you get to the i mean a lot of, a lot of times people um quit when they find the first thing wrong you know, like a mechanic will be working on your car. It's not working. The first thing they find wrong, they fix it. And they're like, okay, it's done. The problem's fixed. You drive your car. And then a few miles down the road, something else breaks down because not everything was, was, that was broken was, was fixed and looked at, you know, you got to 
keep looking ahead and finding all the possible all the possibilities all right jim i want you to write down all the ways that you can be on time and not have your equipment <laughs> out of order <laughs> they call I'm just giving you work. shit just giving you shit That's work, kids. well hey let's keep let's keep the uh stream of consciousness jim train going and i want like it sounds like your dad was a pretty cool dude and i think i've heard that the art that you make is largely for your uh, family business is that true like how did that work out for you as a kid? You have artists for parents or one parent that's an artist. Is it, what's the story there? Because, you know, I, I came to the realization that creativity was vital in my early twenties when I was trying to figure out how to make my soul not feel like a black hole. <laughs> and it worked. It was like, what was missing was doing stuff, making stuff. It didn't matter what it was. And that's definitely true. Yeah, uh, so your parents teach you art? My parents didn't really have art in their pocket. Yeah, I guess I was taught art. I mean, I my dad taught me how to draw perspective when I was probably like eight eight years old, you know, about the same time I was learning those lessons. Um, I've grown up around it. I've always, I mean, I was working in the art business when I was an embryo, you know, <laughs> with my with my mom. And uh, I asked Jim one time, like, was there ever a time when you weren't doing this? Because we're working in his wax works, you know, getting the stuff ready to make into bronze. And he stopped and thought, he said, no, I was I was in the womb while my mom was pouring wax. And that to me, that cemented my vision of Jim as not he's in a very unique and you can think of it as a privileged position. But there's a lot of pressure that comes with it, too. And unless you get on the inside, you don't see that, you know, Jim performs well under pressure. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been fun. I've I've really enjoyed working in the art business. I've uh I was pretty lucky to grow up around it, so I had um I got a lot of experience doing it and then I got to work for other people in the industry and get outside ideas because uh of my experience growing up in it. So, it's been pretty cool. So, what about the it? the Coyote Ugly? The Coyote Ugly. I didn't think it was ugly, but you said you thought it was ugly. Tell us about this project you just wrapped up. Oh yeah, it's a it was a a life size uh, bronze coyote. Um, it's for an artist named uh, Mary Hinckley, and uh, we make a couple of them a year, maybe more, for. Her. And yeah, I just uh, built that thing and put it together and delivered it this weekend. It's kind of, uh, it's an old piece and um, it's been molded several times and we don't have the original anymore. So after a while, it kind of, it's like, it's like a telephone game of a three-dimensional thing. Like if you mold the original, it, the copies from the mold look just like the original, but after time, the mold kind of stretches out and shrinks in spots. And, um, and this is a piece that's molded off of a mold off of a casting from an old piece. So it's like a lot different than where the piece started from. So it's building it and building it to look like 
what the artist's vision of the original piece was is is a little bit different than just putting it together from what it is. So there's a lot of uh, I had to cut it and stretch things out and bend stuff and. Now, now, didn't that mold get messed up or like like it was a poorly made mold or something? It was definitely a poorly, poorly made mold. Um, I brought it up on yeah. screen so you can see yeah, the coyote what, with the artist. Yeah, that's, that's, I didn't do that. Um, I sent this picture because I just wanted to find her real quick. Yeah, but that's the box. We did that too. cardboard box. That cardboard box is made out of bronze. And uh, it's simple, it seems like simplicity, just like in many things, sometimes is uh, harder than what's complicated, you know? Like just mold and recreate a cardboard box out of bronze was so challenging and weird. And then we ended up having someone else make the mold for us because if we make the mold, then we know how we're going to work with it. But they made the mold, so the mold was different, and there was things we didn't expect, and so it was a trip. Yeah, I, I say you another picture of it. it's a little bit up close chance. Yeah, the is that how evolution the, works? Like every time. It gets a little fucked up, mutation. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Uh, Jim described it well as a game of telephone. And, uh, you know, I got to thank uh, Jim and his family for taking me on as an employee because it really lit the fire of being an artist back in my soul instead of being pragmatic and being like, well, I got to get a job and I'll probably still make some art. Instead, it's like, no, these guys are successful and pulling it off in a big way. There's really no reason except for my own fear and insecurity not to pursue it and see what happens. I mean, worst thing that could happen is I fail and get, you know, shook out of the art world as a wannabe. The best thing that could happen is people actually enjoy it and I continue to grow my soul, you know, and I credit that to you, you, Jim. Yeah, was well, he good. like your master and he, you're the apprentice? For straight up. I mean, when I, me, and, me and Jim were introduced by mutual friends in a bar and, um, Jim was talking about needing an employee. I mean, and the whole story is crazy. Maybe when we jump to the Rockfin side, if you remind me, I might tell the details of this story, but not on YouTube. We have to wait. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. Um, you know, I understand yeah. how the post content works. And, the, you know, if you, if you haven't dropped your 10 bucks to get on Chance's Rockfin and enjoy everything over there yet, then this might be the best opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, during, during that period of time, I was hiring a lot of people. I think we, how many people were working there? Like six, nine. Probably? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, well, you had a lot of Girl. people. And, and more people came people. on after me, and then everything changed after that. But um, it was it was so busy, and I hired a lot of people. And I the main thing that I looked for was somebody that was really smart, somebody that was articulate and smart. Because, I mean, people that like to learn stuff, people that are articulate, you can tell when somebody's intelligent or not. And when I first met Sean, I was like, this guy's this guy's smart. <laughs> like, hey, do you need yeah. a job? <laughs> we hit it off pretty good. And uh, as I was sitting listening to what he was describing to me, because I didn't really know the inside details at all about how to work in sculpture and molding. You have to work in wax to get things into metal, especially in bronze. I didn't, I didn't understand it. So I realized like this guy's kind of offering me an opportunity to apprentice in to the bronze industry. And now it's what we've known each other almost 10 years now, Jim, if you can believe that. And um, wow, I know everything that I would need to know to make a fine art piece of bronze sculpture from beginning to end for the most part. Now, I haven't worked hands on with investing the metals, molten metals, but I've stood around and seen it. And I have resources like Jim and his dad and other people. 
So it worked, you know, like I understood the proposition. And so you're exactly right, Chance. You know, Jim literally is the master. I literally am the apprentice. And technically we're under the master master, his dad, who, who flies in from the sky and lets you know where you might have made some really stupid mistakes and then he's really kind <laughs> about it and gives you the resources to fix them and flies back into the sky again. <laughs> I just think that's so cool that not just passing a business down generationally, but like real physical skills. Generational yeah. wealth is one of the few generational livelihood is one of the like most quickly shrinking aspects of the family and of normal life. You know, everything's being shunted over to rent and not own and be an employee for a corporation. Yeah. yeah. You're going to yeah. like it. Don't worry, Chance. You won't own anything and you'll like it. <laughs> I was, I was sweeping the floor when I was 13 and uh, I worked there every day after school, every, every day during the summer and spring break, you know, and did every job there was for at least six months. I mean, the harder ones, the ones that matter, I did more, I did longer, you know, so at least trying to get towards mastery. So, so in the first hour, one thing that I really want to do is talk about the flow state because a lot of people at this point know about weaving spiders welcome, or at least have heard of it. Hopefully they're checking it out because it's so good, <laughs> but the flow state is a newer addition that's being done on Wednesdays after vibrant after my show. So let's talk about the inspiration for flow state, what it is, what, what it's been like lately let people have a good taste of what they're missing out on. If they don't go tune into those, if they think, Oh, it's somehow less than a full on weaving spiders welcome episode. Cause in my opinion, it's a, it's important supplementary material. I agree. It's Definitely like that true. warehouse off the back, you know, like you've got the proper place and then there's like the big kind of back 40 warehouse. That's the way I see flow state. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah, did you decide to do it, Jim? Did it just hit you? Was it memories from picture show of doing that stuff with Tracy? It was the inspiration um, behind it, the intention. I think it, it started from this class I took in college called Sculpt and Listen. And the idea of the class was, you know, there was 25 people and we would each take, bring our favorite book in and read a chapter of it. You know, each class period, one person would read something. And while they were reading from their favorite book, Everyone else was sculpting. And the idea that the teacher had was that, you know, sculpting or making art, <clears throat> that's the right side of your brain, right hemisphere of your brain. And listening to a story, it's a, it stimulates the left side of your brain. And so when both sides of your brain are stimulated at the same time, you get into that flow state where you kind of lose yourself in what you're doing. And you get into the, you know, things, things come kind of naturally. And it, and it was such a great class. I loved it so much. And time just disappeared. It was so entertaining and so much fun. You don't even think about what you're doing. It wasn't like work at all. It was like, it was just amazing. And I always loved that idea. And so I kind of wanted to do it when we first started doing our show, Art's Only Picture Show. I wanted to incorporate that into the show sometimes. So we started doing it a little bit. We would do uh, sculpting and painting episodes with some reading. And it was, it was just so much fun. 
I figured that the whole world should know about it. So I wanted to do it. And that's what I did to catch up today on getting ready for this show is I went back and listened to a big chunk of uh, RX only picture show number 33. And that was one of the most successful or, you know, that one felt like some kind of a vibed out high state for that whole process. Um, and he brought Jim brought it to uh, to mine and Tracy's attention, and we loved the idea immediately, especially with someone like Tracy Twyman sitting, going to just randomly choose from her library of books and read things aloud. Like she really had the vibe to pull that off, and it was making me laugh out loud. You know, I, I didn't oh, yeah. feel cringy. I listened to myself on replay and didn't feel cringy, so that was nice. But so then, that was a great episode. It was, man. I, I'm going to finish it because, uh, and we, you know, the truth is we got some amazing art out of it. I guess most of it's still there at your place, but, you know, we, we got some amazing art out of the whole process. I still want to mold those Bogdanovs and make them into bronze. I would love to do that. I've still got them up on the shelf. Especially now that the Bogs have uh, allegedly left this realm due to uh, circumstances beyond our control. Let's just say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But so, so I have a clip from episode 33. Yeah, go ahead, man. I'm going to play this clip. <laughs> let me, let me cue it up. Okay. Got to redo it so that it has audio. Wasn't fully ready. All right. So this is from 33 and you guys are summarizing a little bit of what you've learned about. And if you can't hear it, just interrupt me. Can't hear it. Yeah. No audio. Oh, no audio? Yep. <laughs> Mercury Gatorade, one sec. <laughs> I swear I had it. They, they'll never figure out that we plan to make this look all chopped up and interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is going to work. We covered so many things today. We covered the, the hobbies and, um, and where to have sex at Disney World. <laughs> yeah, if you can't yeah. get laid, cannibalism. You missed yeah. um, like, like really interesting hobbies like collecting barf bags from airplanes <laughs> and uh, collecting... Arlene's. Yeah, collecting... Arlene's. Uh, People's names, collecting people Arlen's. who have the same name as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, the guy who wrote the book, like you'd think it would be like about Tracy's research, like the dark side of Disneyland. And instead he's like, you can bang in the pool, but that's kind of gross. And you can bang in this guy. People watch you bang in here and they can watch you bang in there. Try not to bang in front of any little kid, but you could almost bang on Space Mountain if it's not just today. Yeah, I'm terrified that guy started dropping links. Like, yeah. like no, bro. The videos of Mickey Mouse is over the... to look at your girlfriend showing her fever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know, that's a little crass, editing. but that's a classic, a classic clip from a probably four and a half hour episode where. Yeah, that's a funny part, but throughout the stream, not only did Tracy read from a book describing the Disney World debauchery, but also got into some fascinating information about cannibalism, fascinating in a morbid way, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of gave me some epiphanies. I mean, I don't really think this is the case, but what she was reading about was tribes that have this belief that you can absorb the knowledge of somebody by eating their brains. and you know, you can't rule anything out because who's tried eating brains, but I really don't think that it's, it works that way. I think memories are stored in the energy field, not in physical matter. Here, here. However, however, 
there is this thing that popped in my head and I was like, well, how did humans ever get long-term knowledge of the cycles of the sky clock in the ancient past? Was it from something along those lines, some sort of knowledge vampirism? I don't know. So <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff in that episode too. Um, some Velikovsky, no, not Velikovsky, uh, Flamenco. Flamenco uh -huh. reading about the chronological confusion the added 1000 years, really good episode. You'd learn a lot. You'll laugh a lot. And, uh, and it's the spiritual progenitor to the flow state things we do on Wednesday. Yeah. It really made me happy when you said you were doing that Jim. you know, this is just Jim bringing something new to the table. And, uh, I look forward to it. I've made so much art already. And as soon as I can actually clear out my studio so that I'm not like working pressed up against one area with a bunch of crap around me, I feel like that's going to be the anchor to my true creative process opening up is that I know that I, late, late Wednesday, I can kick it with a bunch of other people who are either ready to read or also making art. And the other cool thing about Picture Show was that those episodes encouraged other people to make art. I think Snake Jones said he made his very first runes during one of those uh, Picture Show episodes. And people would send us pictures in the private messages or post them up places. Like so, and I, I hope people know that who watch the flow state that like, it's not just to, to like be witness to us doing it. It's an encouragement to, to make art. And Absolutely. not because you're going to sell it or because you want to impress anybody. It's just a practice. Kurt Vonnegut yeah. said, you know, it's what makes your soul grow. That's why you do it. You know, there's a famous quote by Vonnegut about that. He says, if you don't have the audacity to be gay, at least go into the arts because being creative <laughs> makes your soul grow. And I always thought that was right on point for it. That's a weird comparison. It was it's, it's funny, but Vonnegut's pretty dry now. So... Yeah, that's another point is uh, I make I work in the art business. So I, I realized that I wasn't making any of my own art. And that's one of the one of the reasons why I like doing flow state is because gives me a time set time to do my own art, things that are just my ideas that aren't really for anybody but me. So it's important. Yeah, man, once you're in the world of doing things on commission, it puts a different edge, different spin on the process, you know, involving money in it. Not saying that it shouldn't be done because we need creators and crafters in the world, but having something that is just for the sake of creating it is special. And I hope more people than not, at least sometimes listen to this show while they're doing some kind of art flow state, or at the very least engaging the left brain <laughs> by doing laundry or dishes or something. <laughs> yeah i agree yeah well i do that i'm so, i got so in the habit of listening to something while i work working for jim because once you learn a new process it becomes redundant and then you can do it even if it's really complicated and even dangerous you can do it redundantly without too much thinking so then you get into the habit of either putting something on the loudspeaker that you both like or breaking off into your kind of isolated self and so now i just my body's been trained for almost a decade to like if you're doing any menial work, you got to fill the head up, you know, with. Uh, yeah, it almost becomes dog. obsessive. Yeah, I, yeah, sometimes I'll intentionally take my dog for a walk and leave the phone and everything at home and just be like, hey, look, there's a world. There's wind blowing through the trees. There's some leaves also, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it can become obsessive. That's true. So you uh, lost the 
channel for your YouTube. We didn't mention that. And oh, yeah. You've talked about this in other places, but now that it's back, what about the old show for both of you gives you the most appreciation that you think makes it worth digging into archives of something three, three plus years old? Because nowadays it's like <laughs> most people can barely keep up with the cutting edge of the content, not the uh, archive content. Now, I was loving that you were saying that you were actually going back to them, and I'm getting a lot um, of uh, comments and private messages of people really grateful and thankful. And I guess the most obvious answer to that question is that it's a public, available archive. People are totally willing, if they want to download it and re-upload it, you know, you have my tacit permission if you're listening to this. But it's, you know, we didn't know that Tracy Twyman was going to die, obviously. And the fact that she as a successful author, I mean, she's a pretty dang well-known occult and esoteric author for a very long time. Um, the fact that she chose us as someone comfortable to bring uh, into her circle, you know, to join us in our circle even. She um, became like the third co-host, right? She was there how yeah. many episodes? I'd have never even counted, a lot. You know, like it's from 25 until 65. And there might've been a couple where she didn't make it for whatever reason, but for the most part, you know, and so to me, that's just a huge blessing from God that we were able to provide her uh, an outlet for creating a whole bunch of content in a different way than she usually would. You know, most of the time she was pretty happy and comfortable and content to be with us. You know, there are a few times you can tell that Tracy's uh, <laughs> wondering what the hell we're doing. But uh, <laughs> but for the most part, that to me, that uh, it changed the whole show. Because me and Jim, if you go up, if you if you want to be really brave, go back to before episode 25 <laughs> and peruse some picture show before Tracy was there. And you'll see us just trying to loosen up and get normal on camera, having conversations. You guys, still you had, her to an, had her to impress. You stepped your game up. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Me and Jim, our minds were blown, man. We just wanted to get her on for an interview. You know, because we loved her research and her books and everything so much that we both paid for her uh, paywalled content. And you know how it is, Chance. People drop you little messages like, hey, man, you might be interested in this, you know, because they're a fan of your show. So they hit you up. They, they send you links to videos that are three hours long, you know, and all this stuff. And so, of course, I would do that to Tracy and send her private messages on Facebook. And so when she went from, yeah, I'll come give you guys a couple of interviews to, hey, do you mind if if I just stay? Me and Jim just looked at each other like, like we found a shopping cart full of hundred dollar bills or something. Like, what? <laughs> you want to you want to come on our stupid little show every week? Okay, you know. And yes, the conversations got a lot more serious between me and Jim in the DMs at that point. Like, we had to be more ready than ever because every week we were getting ready to have Tracy blow our minds and potentially introduce her to somebody that she'd never talked to before and do what you're doing right now. Just sit back and go, whoa. <laughs> check these people yeah. out you know the way that she worked she would just like we would make a plan sometimes like on you know monday or tuesday night a plan for the show for wednesday and we just we talk about it kind of write out like a like a vague sort of outline and then come time of the show tracy like right before like five minutes before tracy would be like i just worked all night i had all this great research and i want to talk about it and we'd be like okay and then she would just steal the show and, and talk about this amazing research she did the night before. And she, you know, it's the first place the public is hearing about it. The first time she's saying it out loud is on our show. It's pretty cool. 
That happened quite a bit. Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> the first one I saw of your uh, show was the Smurf episode. And Great place to start. Wow. I will tell you, like, at the point that I saw that show, I kind of cooled off on synchro mystic research into the what I'm now calling ophiolatry, the idolatry of the sun, basically the serpent cult or dragon court. And that, that show, like after I'd watched it, I came on to a weaving spiders with you guys. And it was for me, I think the first one where <laughs> I got into this, like, which is now my style for as uh, you know, as a member there of researching on the fly during the conversation and something about it, like you can sit and, and dig through information and go from page to page on your own. But when you're in the group with that collective uh, consciousness stream going, somehow it brings the right links and the right connections to you faster and more serendipitously. And so really uh, that was a, a cool turning point for me late last year where I started hitting the getting back into trying to like <laughs> prove to myself and find a way to internalize the information to best explain it and convey it to others in the sense hope of them accepting it as well that all the all the cults are the same cult with different packaging yeah the there wasn't a the, question there, but <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, what you said, um, so one of the people that uh, Tracy introduced us to that we still stay in contact with and who is just an amazingly intelligent and creative human being is a guy named uh, Harrison. And uh, he made, uh, he was helping with some of the Baphomet translations and the Latin. He's pretty good in Latin. Um, and he he translated a document called the secret statutes of the templars now i could be wrong on the title but there's an episode somewhere i'm not sure if it's on picture show or somewhere else it might have been I think it was either. picture show yeah oh, she did where, she did one too on she did one own. with her, her and um alex rivera was the co-author of her baphomet book and he's an with interesting Harrison. character too but he's kind of uh, gone dormant on the web i talk to him sometimes and he's just taking a break but um the huge epiphany from the Templars uh, statutes of the secret statutes of the Templars document was that it described this really intricate set of rituals and codes for the true inner circle of these uh, mystery school secret societies where they were describing being able to communicate with each other through signs, symbols, and handshakes, even if they didn't speak the same language and how behind every little forward-facing cult that was still secret and you weren't able to get into it without huge initiatory processes and all this inside of that there was a deeper court where everyone was one they were the same all of their information was shared at this highest what i would call the highest hermetic level you know of being the same and so to me that was like the smoking gun of what most of us suspect that do this kind of work we all see that like the pyramids are everywhere in the whole world. You know, the, the architecture's everywhere. The mythologies all conflate into each other so much that you can't really keep track of it effectively because the, the gods overlap each other. And so there's a holy for, trinity in every single archetypal religion. Yeah. 
And even the even the Christian one, people trip and say, oh, but this one's all male. But if you go look, you look at the uh, the Shekinah glory and the, the pillar of smoke and then find out that Yahweh had a wife named Astaroth or Asherah. And then she kind of you know, it's kind of like God got a divorce and they wrote her out of the will and tried to clip all her pictures out of the photo albums. And so then it <laughs> makes Christianity look like something different preliminarily. But you go do a little bit more reading and you're like, oh, no, this one, too. You know, because the Holy Spirit is the feminine essence. That's the Sophia is is the female essence of the Godhead, you know. Yeah, it's God, goddess, and son god, or the son of God, S-U-N or S-O-N, in every version. Yeah. And last night we were finding it on the fly. <laughs> Just like Gordy brought up some Armenian deities, and that led me to some Hungarian de- deities. It's a part of the barriers that we have the different languages, but with, between cultures, but the, uh, yeah, the priest class, I guess you'd call it. They are speaking through phonetics more than languages. So they see the sound that's being made in the parts of the word. And that lets them know what part of the code they're looking at. And so I guess it helps whenever you're getting run out of different countries, eventually, if the, you know, if the jig is up <laughs> that you can go in somewhere else and you can easily adopt to what you're, other members of the order have been laying groundwork for. Yeah, I'd say last night we hit on at least four or five just in a synchronicity run, you know, of exactly what you're talking about, bringing it up and a few facets are put on the table. And then over the course of an hour or more, I mean, I can't even remember there were so many, what you said, you know, about the Armenian, right? I was trying to think of any more, but it's, to me, there's something about this whole process that cultivates an inner peace, too. Because you get this feeling of shared spirituality uh, in the whole of mankind that I'd say doesn't really come from anything prior or like it. You know, like there's a reassurance that there used to be more of a wholeness or a oneness, or even that there still is and it's just hidden, you know? Yeah, man. It is reassuring. Well, reassuring too that all the guilt stories that were externalized out of what should have been knowledge of the workings of the self and of nature, those can go away too. Not that you shouldn't act morally, your conscious is the guide rather than the external authority. And that's the whole flip. And I think people along the way of researching the occult, if they miss that step, that, oh, it's not that there is no morality, it's that morality isn't ordained by men, it's ordained by the voice within. Or how even your body reacts to things will tell you what's moral and what's not. And if you leave that step out, then you wind up maybe wanting to join some of these orders yourself for the power hegemony of a knowledge differential. Right, ascension cults, a lot of it is... uh is based on the idea. That's exactly what you'd call it, ascension cults. Yeah, the ascension cults, you know, the whole left-handed, right-handed path, as much as it's kind of a canard, it has a usefulness as a stereotype and a lens for understanding. And there are a lot of people who land on magic and this type of stuff because they feel like they're, they have terrible want and they're not able to solve it anyway. You know, all the things they're trying aren't working. And so then you start to look for a shortcut that will gratify you because you feel incomplete. You know, you're seeking and you're not finding. So then, you know, what if I 
take these magical steps, you know, do my little crossroads uh, promise with the devil, and then I'll become what I imagine I should be. But I'd say that in general, that gets portrayed as the main part of it. You know, and when you're looking around just on the surface level, that's what you find. It's like a lot of ooga booga. This is all really bad stuff. You're going to end up going insane and worshiping the devil and sacrificing chickens. If you, you know, if you look at too many sigils or uh, read too many, you know, magic books. And I'm not saying that that's not possible. That's very possible. I've, I've seen it, you know, happen. But there's a, a door for greater spiritual learning and understanding that's standing there with that opportunity just the same it's just more subtle and humble and it is a gut in my opinion it's a gut feeling or a heart feeling you know like you said chance intuitive there's there's something that starts to be inside of you instead of outside of you on a spiritual level when you get to a certain place in this work and then your whole life changes you know if you cultivate it i've noticed the the technology of language and symbolism is being left behind by the controlling class for an, a, a technological approach through electronics. Like this might seem like a, a goofy example, but <laughs> have you ever played like free cell phone games before in the way that it'll interrupt the gameplay for ads? Mm -hmm. I was playing Scrabble last week. Deleted it though. <laughs> I got rid of it. The demon is gone. But I was playing Scrabble on my phone and it would like pop up with these ads. They're the most bizarre, um, psychologically subversive things. And I'd like have to just flip the phone over and not look at the screen for the one minute that the ad was playing or something because I could feel it felt like psychic attack. I don't know how else to put it, but it's not in a way that's like all mystical and using. <laughs> pentagrams and baphomets or whatever it's just through the the weird garish combination of colors and simple basic human concepts and tones and frequencies it just like i don't know how else to describe it but i feel like that that's actually um a lesser level of sophistication to what we had been subject to in earlier times of human history and that the it's easier to see through it if you're hypnotized, you, you know, who knows what kind of weird stuff that puts into your field. But if you're not easily hypnotized, then the technological approach to it, it just won't work. You know, you'll be like one of us that I don't know. I don't even have a TV in my house anymore. Right. Like there's one in my closet, I'll say, <laughs> but it's from like 2007. It's a it's real, you know, pre smart TV technology. Anyway, that's kind of a ramble, but that's sort of my thoughts on where we're at. And it sounds bad, but also was trying to spin it towards like, this is a positive development possibly because it's easier to sidestep the technological assault than it is the ideological assault. And really the, I think that the inheritors of the control systems have largely lost touch with the symbolism that they're using and that's weakening their ability to wield it. Yeah. I, uh, I would totally agree with that. And um, like, I just saw a post from uh, Chris Knowles from the secret son in his little private Facebook group. And he said, you know, the old, the old, the older generations that were in control had a firm grasp. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, you know, like it was a short snippet. He's a really articulate writer, but pretty much what he was saying was back in the day, the secret 
power control centers, the families or whatever one of the bloodlines that actually had and wielded these powers to influence entire swaths of the world and, and whole populations and everything, that they used to be totally on top of it. And that the people who've inherited it now really aren't so that we shouldn't give them the type of credit that we would give to those old true uh, like monolithic intelligent magicians, you know, whether they were the good guys or the bad guys, either way, they were using their position as a secret leader to really knowledgeably steer the world. And now like their kids or their grandkids have inherited the infrastructure that they built up and they're still using it, but without the knowledge and without the sincerity, I think, and we're seeing it, you know, like we're, I think we're on the cusp of the change. So many people say it, but I think it's true that we're, we're in some part of the process of the change of the Aeon and all of the energies are going to change. So whoever is in positions of power has to try to get their hands on the new set of controls as it changes over because the old controls aren't going to work anymore. You know, as we move out of uh, Pisces into Aquarius. Yeah. And even that is a fitting sky clock symbol of going from a symbolic psychological approach to a technological frequency based approach. Yeah. And uh, the, to me, the technology seems like uh, prosthesis. Yeah. Yeah. You could also look at technology as a plagiarization of spiritual abilities or innate human potentials too. Which yeah, makes Jim's it a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we get, I want to ask Jim about psychic powers and maybe test him a third time. Let me uh, let's, let's tell the hour. audience what's up here. Look, like so. So yeah, this will be a teaser for this will be a teaser for the Rock for an hour because I've let us run over the hour here. I thought maybe you guys wouldn't mind if this was a little longer than a two-hour show, but if that's not cool, you can. I'll go all night long. Leave at any time. We don't have to go all night long. We already did that last night. <laughs> it was a short night last night. I don't want to leave the audience out of the loop with, okay, so. And we'll test them on the second hour, but we'll tease it right now. Yeah, right. So <laughs> one of the books that Tracy brought, and this wasn't an art show, I don't think, but there's a show called uh, Get Your Brain Horns Up on Picture Show. And I don't remember which episode, but. Uh, Tracy's bringing a book that helps you cultivate and increase your psychic abilities. And in the book, they call it brain horns. And so the very first thing she does, we, we, we play music at the beginning and memes, and then we push the button and go live, like dropping the curtain, you know, like now you're on the show and Tracy comes on immediately. And, and, you know, she'd already heard rumor that Jim might have some psychic abilities. And so she pulls up a card. She's like, all right, Jim, tell me what the card is. And Jim goes, all right, hold on. And you can see him do his thing, you know, like, okay, I'm trying to feel this out. And he nails it. And we're just blown like, you know, seven of hearts. Yeah. It, I mean, we're just tripping. And I'm, I'm reassuring the audience that it's not fake. Cause I mean, we're, we're tripped out. So what? <laughs> Two, three years later, chance has seen the episode and we're on either a uh, flow state or weaving spiders. And so chance is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna double down on the attempt. And he's like, all right, Jim, I got a card. I'll give you a hint. It's an animal or an insect or so, you know, you give him very little information, you know, tell me what it is. Yeah. It's not even a normal deck of cards. He doesn't even know the potential things that may or may not be in it other yeah. than animal or insect. And he nails it. And it's a B, wasn't it a B? It was a, a B. B and it was number seven. So it was a seven <laughs> both times. So, so yeah. And Jim had already told me about some of the psychic experiments that he'd done and showed me some apps and stuff that you could use to test yourself psychically. And, you know, I've got a little bit of that too, but not like, uh, not, not the same way. Once again, Jim and I have similar, but uh, divergent uh, talents and abilities. 
So this is the cover art I made for the show. I made sure to get Jim's brain horns in there. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And make sure Sean is good and glitched out. Has a third eye. <laughs> Alan says that that happened on Weaving Spiders 61. Okay, which is also seven. <laughs> Six plus one is seven. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a good one. Okay, well, Spider let's... Tickles. I, I had a, a, you know, hate to do this for anyone that doesn't have the Rockfin sub, but we're going to move over to the second hour. If you're my friend and you don't have a Rockfin subscription and you DM me, maybe I'll send you the link to the full version later. <laughs> I do that now sometimes. Wait, no, you, have a, you, you, you have a Patreon too, though, right? Yeah, this will go up on my Patreon probably by tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll get it up tonight, but... I have to run it through a compressor to lower the file size so it can mm -hmm. fit to Vimeo. The architecture of Patreon versus Rockfin is so vastly inferior on the Patreon side. They're really just like middlemen trying to skim off of the relationship between creators and their fans because in the three plus years I've been on Patreon, they haven't even updated the functionality of the, of the app or the website. And to even host videos that are paywalled on Patreon, you have to pay a Vimeo subscription. Oh, weird. I didn't know that because we, um, me and there's no native have, video upload to, to Patreon. We have a Patreon for a picture show. I mean, and it's signed up in my name, but it still says ours only picture show. And it is a way that you could send us money. And there is some money in the account over there, Jim. I, I'll tell you more in the private messages. We haven't talked about it for a while. Um, but I don't really do anything with it because the same thing, the functionality already just keeps, seems kind of wonky, you know? So. But I just wanted to encourage people, like, if you're listening to this, you, you can sign up for Rockfin. It's all right. Unless you just lost your job, you know, it's, you know, it, it's not, it's not a big deal to drop 10 bucks a month to get all kinds of content, but especially the content you're getting from Chance Garden, because it's worth it, man. It's excellent. Second hour always is, I know this is going to blow up right now. We're going to go on our little pause and we're going to come back and start talking about stuff that you're going to, you're all going to miss it. So go sign up. Yeah, Jim, do you have any <laughs> promotion for me to promote me like Sean did? <laughs> <laughs> or like promote the uh the spiders channel and things like that i haven't even got into like why, why is weaving spiders exist that'll be in part two as well i think we've been you've done a pretty good job of mentioning all the promotions yeah i think so too weaving spiders welcome on youtube maybe alan can link that in the youtube chat to the weaving spiders welcome channel and the Band episode 63 of Weaving Spiders will be online somewhere, somehow, soon, now that Jim's awake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we just, anybody was, that was watching um, last night and is trying to finish the show, uh, Jim has the content saved somewhere. So any one of us that has a channel is going to try to pop it up somewhere and we'll give you a heads up. But it probably won't be on YouTube because they already dinged it once, so... Yeah, unless we can just cut out the part that they didn't like. And sometimes in the uploader, it gives you the option to do something like that. I, don't oh, know. I was going to say, too, I, if you go to sbalger.com, all the stuff that I'm doing is uh, listed there in one page. And there is a place you can opt into an email list that I send messages out to sometimes concerning picture show. And I have an email coming up. I've been working on a draft. Um, so but that's kind of like a way to honor Tracy and our old work and uh, keep people updated. So. I'm not getting any return on your domain, so yeah. maybe, maybe busted, but that's for a later conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to play 
us out for the YouTube people. Give us a three minute intermission. The uh, music here that we're going to play during the break is from my friend, Michael, personal friend of mine. His music is my own eyes. And it seems like a fitting jam to go with the, the art visualizer graphic thing I made based on some of Sean's crazy glitch art. I turned a, a, a picture into a video and I think it turned out pretty cool. So we'll take our break. If you guys need to get up and stretch or hit the bathroom, we got about three minutes. There'll be a timer on the screen. And when we come back, it'll cut from YouTube and we'll just be hanging out on Rockfin which I'm happy to report that there've been significantly more people on Rockfin the whole time from the beginning anyway. So I appreciate that since YouTube doesn't let me monetize due to all the thought crime. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> other than like hopefully finding new people who only use YouTube, there's not a lot of point to YouTube, but all right, we'll see you guys on the other side. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Looking forward to hearing the story of how you guys met in all of its gory glory and <laughs> <laughs> testing Jim's brain horns and talking about the superhero origin st story of weaving spiders and whatever things get peppered in in between. So thanks guys. Yeah, we'll see you on the flip side.
All right, we're still on YouTube for just a minute because I wanted to remind everyone that I'm open and available for Oracle card reading sessions and sound healing sessions, and they've been going extremely well. And if you want more information, check the show notes for links to descriptions about it and how you can get in touch. And with that, thanks for being here, YouTube fam, and we will catch you guys later for next week's episode with Clint Richardson. We'll see you later.